Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to Anchor.fm now. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash Jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meat at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. Welcome back. It's another episode of the biggest, and I mean that literally, biggest NBA sports podcast out there. It's Wide Men Can't Jump, where waistbands and wristbands are always expanding. I'm your host, Nate Bush, as always. And joining me, as uh, as per usual, the man, the myth, the Canadian legend brought to you by the great people up north that produce poutine, the man, the myth, Tim Dombro. Good evening, Nate. Suffering from a little bit of shrinkage up here today. <laughs> Is it cold? Just a tad bit. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, well it's, it's cold in Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Cold. So, uh, cold in Canada, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, shocker. <laughs> I mean, as I as I told you earlier, they've put the penguins indoors at the Calgary Zoo. It's that cold. Yeah, that, now that's cold. I don't care who you are. That's cold. If you got to put the penguins inside, that's a that's the same. But yeah, Sidney Crosby will come out on top nonetheless if you put the penguins of will. inside. Of course he would. That deserves one of these. He's, he's the great. He's the, the next one, as they call him. Yeah. Well, yeah. go pins. But anyway, we're here. Another edition of the show. Glad you're back with us, as always. And uh, a lot of NBA to cover. Been some uh, some stuff going on. Uh, want, have to start here on a little bit of a downer. 
don't know if uh, anyone saw this, but uh, the wrestling community is saddened uh, with the passing of Rocky Johnson, the father of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, former tag champ and Hall of Famer Soul Man, uh, has passed away at 75. Um, so that's some sad news. There have been a lot of wrestling uh, deaths here within the past few weeks. Uh, Pampiro Furpo, um, LaParka, the AAA LaParka, not the guy that was in WCW. I mean, Rocky Johnson, uh, just a lot of them, man. It really sucks. That it does, my friend. That yeah. it does. And we're 15 days into the year, and I lost my hero, Neil Peart. Um, you know, been a rough year for celebrity deaths, so, yeah. But... And it just gets worse as you get older, Nate. As that yeah, field so. expand, that field expands, and you just there's just more and more possibilities, and it starts to suck. What can I say? Yes, it does. But uh, starting to suck. That's not what this program's going to do. We've got all kinds of stuff lined up well, for you, but we want to kick it off with one of our favorite segments. Of, that's the top don't, ten. Don't get ahead of yourself, Nate. It could suck. Well, it could, but here we go. It's time for the top ten. Tonight's top ten, Nate. Brought to yes. you by the Ed Bogus School of Speed Eating. <laughs> okay. And of course, Shinston Stomach. After of a long day of crying fast food down your pie hole, and you don't want to go through the embarrassment of puking, call Shinston's for all your stomach pumping needs. Discreet, 24-hour service with mobile units that can be sent to your or sporting event. Our trained and professional gastrointestinal specialists will cater to your every need and provide you with a personal one-on-one hands-on service guaranteed to make your stomach pumping a lifetime experience. And we are now proud to announce that Delco bigwig Tom Robinson has partnered oh, no. with Stomach Pumps. Oh, man. And we've, and we've become the official stomach pumping service of the Philadelphia 76ers fan club. And we've opened a satellite office in Palatial Clifton Heights, and we now serve the greater Delco area. <laughs> on Sunday, Nate, on Sunday, come on down and meet Tom. And for 10 bucks or a cheesesteak and a beer, you can get a photo <laughs> of Tom and hear his story of how he's not only an owner, but a member of Shinsky's <laughs> Pumps. Our hotline is open 24 hours, and we have operators standing by waiting for your call. Remember, that's Shinston Stomach Pumps, number one in gastric irrigation. In Shinston, <laughs> call 304-666-7853. That's 304-666-PUKE. And you can reach us totally in the Delco area at 215-935-5548. That's 215-WELL-LIT. Look for the big yellow sign. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, for those of you who might have missed that, that's uh, 215-935-5548, or later it's 215-WELL-LIT. And look for the big yellow sign. Kind of looks like a vest. You can't miss it. 215-WELL-LIT. Now, keeping that all in mind, keeping that all in mind, the top 10 tonight brought brought to you, not from you. From the home office in Clint, Michigan, Nate. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of fitting, considering she's been stomach pumps. But anyway. <laughs> Very um, true. Top ten names for bowl games. 
Oh man! If they were, if they were named by the white man can't jump crew. Oh God! So we have at number ten, Nate. Cheetos Westinghouse ceiling fan Cade Bush Bowl. <laughs> I knew you'd pop for that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> at number nine, the Taco Bell Chick Fil A Nate Bush all can eat bowl. Hey, I like this bowl. <laughs> I'm on board bowl. with that one too. At yeah. number eight, the American Heart and Stroke Foundation Armando Martinez High Blood Pressure Bowl. <laughs> Armando was letting some people have it this week. I saw that. No, no kidding. That was, yeah, I think was I saw the word puto thrown around there a little bit. <laughs> oh, I did too. Um, at number seven, the Nick Hoff FedEx International Head Bowl. God. Uh, I can top that. At number six, wait for it. Okay. The Cruella, Angie DeVille, Too Many Dogs, Duke Mediocrity, Tidy Bowl. (laughs) She'll get a kick out of that. At number five, the Psychiatric Association of America's Background Josh Brown Anger Management Bowl. (laughs) I feel like that one exists. It might. At number four, the Amoco Deep Drilling Proctologists of America, Grover, come on over. I just sued you into next year, Stephen P. Newball. <laughs> God. You I'm putting like that, that on a T-shirt. Try to put that on a T-shirt at $4 a letter. Be, I think it could be done. At number three, <laughs> the Swinging Minds of America, Bobby Blake Bowl. Oh, man. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Might show up Swing, with a gun. Swinging mimes. That can be, you know, take that both ways. Uh, <laughs> that's called a swinging mimes. Isn't, isn't that swinging a, mimes. Uh, isn't that a mute stripper? <laughs> I thought it was maybe a new wave. Punk rock. That could swinging be. Mimes. Could uh, be. Number two. This one's kind of a private one. Okay. The PR Lord of the Rings, Yoko Ono, Mondenders, what happened to Check Bowl? <laughs> oh jeez and at number one at number one oh man, man here we go the delco tenton awning general electric well lit tom robinson safety vest ball <laughs> you know i tried to get tickets to that but you can only get it at the box office and i did not want to go down that road but uh, either it. way, that's the top ten for the night. <laughs> great top ten, great top ten. Great to hear. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, I'm going to throw this out there. If you'd like to hear a custom top ten, leave us some suggestions on Twitter. Huh? I think Let that would know. be cool. At Wide Jump, we can come up with some stuff here. Uh, yeah. I think that would be fun. But uh, and if you're if you're listening, turn in tune into ESPN seven, and you can see the Cheetos Westinghouse ceiling fan Cade Bushball right now. Yeah, <laughs> man, he kid loves Cheetos. <laughs> no kidding, I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen him. Well, eat I mean, him. You can put him. Well, you know, him and uh, his daddy's not kind of likes him too. But anyway. <laughs> Let's go ahead and hear from the great laws of Stephen P. News. Stephen P. News there for you. 
personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Big thanks to the Law Offices of Stephen P. New for their continued sponsorship here on Wide Men Can't Jump. I don't know what we'd do without them, and uh, I can personally vouch for Steve New's legal expertise. If you need a good lawyer, that's the man to call. Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com. Check them out. Uh, I have a legitimate question. Okay. I noticed that the is it still the Stephen P. New law offices or is it? I believe he made Ta- his, is it New and Taylor now? I believe. I believe it's New and Taylor now, but uh, we're gonna Stephen have to P. look New, into that. Yeah, I believe it is New and Taylor law offices, but Steve New's still the man running the show. So until he tells oh, me yeah. to change That's something, definitely. I'm leaving it as is. So. Uh, okay, I got an update, mate. Uh, yes. Cheeto University, fourteen. Uh, Westinghouse found six. Uh, they missed the extra point. Ah, man, I had money on them. All right, well, let's dive into basketball here now that we've had a little bit of fun to kind of lighten oh, the mood. Is that, this, is that what this show is about? Yeah. All right. All <laughs> the right. thing we try to do. Um, the NBA this season has been uh, kind of plagued with injuries and, and then some. A lot of top talent has been hurt this season. And even if it's just for minimal time, it's, you know, you got guys that are going to be in and out of lineups quite a bit. And it's really, to me, it's been kind of a, kind of an interesting development. Would you agree with me on that? Well, you know, injuries always play some part in the season, but it seems like a lot of big names have gone down this year. Maybe it's, I'm not sure if there have been any more this than in previous years, but it sure seems like it. You got LeBron, you got Davis has been missed some games. Uh, half your uh, Minnesota Timberwolves squad starting lineups been out of the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys in Toronto, guys in Toronto falling like weeds. Um, yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid in Philadelphia and, and the list goes on. I mean, there's um, been a lot of guys. Yeah. Zion Williamson's been out for a while. Uh, I'm looking here at, at the injury report. Now, I'm going to look at guys, and I'm just going to give you some names here of guys that are injured. And these are guys that I, that are not considered game-time decisions because well, there's a lot of game-time decisions out there. Um, Chandler For the Hawks, Chandler Parsons is expected to be out till the January 20th, um, at least, maybe even longer. Jabari Parker is expected to be out till at least January 22nd. In Boston, Jason Tatum, he's supposed to be out. He's supposed to come back till tomorrow at the earliest. Robert Williams is out till February 21st. Uh, Garrett Temple for the Brooklyn Nets is out until at least January 18th. Kevin Durant, of course, done for the season. Wendell Carter Jr. for the Bulls is out until February 6th. And Otto Porter Jr. is out till February 11th. 
And these are, of course, at the earliest. Could be longer. Uh, for Cleveland, Dylan Dylan Windler, he's done for the year. And Kevin Porter is out until at least February 29th. And then for Dallas, I'm looking at Isaiah Roby. He's out until January 17th. And Ryan Brookoff is done until February 1st. Denver, Paul Millsap could be back as early as tomorrow, but he's missed some significant time. See, uh, any relation to Ronnie? Well, I don't know. There might be a stranger in his house, though. But either (laughs) way. Well done, mate. Well done. Thank you. Uh, For Detroit, Kyrie Thomas and Reggie Jackson are both out until at least January 20th. Luke Reggie Jackson retired years ago. (laughs) Reggie Jackson is constantly getting hurt. Uh, Luke Kennard's out until February 3rd. And here was the big you one. Blake Griffin yeah, yeah. Is, is out until at least March 1st. You know what happened to Luke Kennard? What was that? He forgot to duck. Kennard? To duck? No? All right. Never mind. No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that a Kennard was a duck. I, I did yeah, not know that. That's Canadian slang for a duck. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, everybody okay. north of the border is uh, just laughing their dick off, but I had no well, clue. <laughs> they're not laughing yeah. their dicks off. Their dicks are like in their body cavities. It's so cold today. <laughs> Can we get some global warming up to Tim, please? Yeah, yeah. Somebody send me some of this much talked about global warming. <laughs> well, it was 63 down here today, so... Uh, really I can ship you some anyway, in a box. Sorry. Continue on with your injury list, sir. No, no problem. Golden State Warriors, of course, the big one. Steph Curry out until at least February 20th. Clay Thompson's out till June 1st at the earliest. Could be even longer. Um, Houston's got Nene, who's out till February 20th. Gerald Green won't be back until April 15th. So he'll be back for maybe a playoff run. Oladipo is expected to be out until January 29th. His return is nearing. Paul George, well, that's the Clippers. Paul George, game time decision. But, yeah, here's here's some of the big ones here. Um, Marcus Cousins could be out till at least May 15th. Devontae Korek is going to be out till January 20th. Rajon Rondo, he's out till January 18th. And Anthony Davis could return as soon as January 18th for the Lakers. And then, yeah, there's just so many injuries this season. You know, LeBron's been hurt for them. Andre Iguodala's out for Memphis until at least February 6th. But it's not injury-related, believe it or not. That's contract-related. Tyler Hero and Justice Winslow could both be back as soon as January 17th. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is expected to be out until at least the 17th for the Wolves. And then the Pelicans have been really hit with injuries. I mean, Zion Williamson finally going to make his debut next Thursday, January 22nd. Kendrick Williams is out until the 18th. Drew Holiday's out until at least the 18th. And Darius Miller's out until April 1st with an Achilles injury. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. for the Knicks is out until January 18th. For the Thunder, they've got a, a few injuries. Nerland's Noel, he's out until the 17th of January. And... Abdel Nader out till January 17th. Orlando, Michael Carter-Williams is out until tomorrow, as long as, as well as DJ Augustine. Then Jonathan Isaacs and Al Farouk Aminu are both out until April 20th, and that's going to be big for them because that's right in the middle of the playoff run. And if they make it, that's big injuries that they're going to need. Joel Embiid is out until at least January 25th when he will be reevaluated for the 76ers. 
Uh, Kelly Oubre for the Sun should be back soon. He'll be back January 18th. Frank Kaminsky is done until March 1st for the Suns. Portland, again, more injuries. Nurkic out until February 15th, still dealing with that injury that he got last season. Zach Collins is out until March 15th with a shoulder. Rodney Hood towards Achilles, done for the year. And Skal Labrisere, Skal Labrisere, excuse me, out until at least February 6th. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich out until January 18th for the Kings. Rashawn Holmes is out until February 1st. And then Toronto, Fed, Fred Van Vliet should be back January 17th. And Dwayne Mike Conley should be back January 18th for the Jazz. And then finally, John Wall is out until next season, the October 1st being his potential return. Uh, Ro Hachimura, the rookie, is out until February 1st. Mo Wagner is out until January 22nd. And Garrison Matthews out until January 17th. And those, are just, those aren't even the game-time decisions. That's all the injuries going on in the NBA right now. And there's been more than that. There's been a lot more than that. Those are just the ones that you've got right now of guys that are out. And the injury bug has really hit all over the league. If anybody is keeping – I mean, they must keep statistics of uh, games, man man games lost. Uh, you got to wonder, like, are guys getting soft? Are they, they such tuned athletes these days that even the slightest thing puts them out of the games? Like, why are so many guys getting hurt? Like, there's got to be – I don't know. It's it's one of those things where a lot of people will say the back to backs really, you know, affect what they do. A lot of people will say that, you know, because of the the physical toll this this takes on your body, you know, just this long season, especially with so many one and dones coming in, guys' bodies aren't ready to, to take this kind of schedule, this kind of load that they're getting. So I'm not sure. I, I don't really have an answer for you there I mean, as I would to why. At, at least a tiny bit has got to be um, due to the finances involved and the economics of basketball. They do not let star players or even good – well, they don't let anybody really play hurt anymore like they no. once did. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Now, a lot of those injuries – that I did list off was guys that would be back within the next few days, you know, probably being a little overcautious. And, and so there's a lot of guys that are now out with like, Oh, I'm out with cramps, back spasms, uh, you know, soreness in my heel, things like that. So maybe that maybe we're just being a little cautious here. Um, a lot, but then yeah, you see a lot of those guys, because if you come, if you come back too early from like an Achilles injury, you saw what happened to Kevin Durant when he came back too early. And now yeah, he's done for a year. There's a lot of preventative sitting these days where a guy will feel a tweak or something, and they go, "Oh no, sit down. We're not we're not putting you out there so that you can take that time here or whatever. We're just yeah. gonna, you just miss a game." Yeah, I think uh, one of the big reasons they do that is because if it was kind of one of those where it's like, okay, if this were playoff time, you'd be playing. Um, we don't want you. Not that the regular season doesn't matter because it does, but it's like, okay, this is a long season. You can afford to take a game off. Um, it's almost like load management without calling it load management. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and, and I, I think, too, as much as this may sound crazy, uh, a lot of teams really aren't that concerned about first place. They want to get in the playoffs, and maybe they might want to get home court. And after that, there, there's not a rush to win. Winning the league, the, the, the regular season championship, means nothing. And there was a yeah. time when... There was a time when that, I mean, maybe it wasn't a big deal, but guys wanted to win at all costs every night. You know, you got the Michael Jordan attitude where, you know, I got the going to put down 82 and, and nearly die on the court kind of thing. You don't see that that often anymore. No, no, you, you really don't. And, and, you know, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, but Probably. <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan's career was still nice and long, but – I mean, hey, what do I know? But at the same time, you, you got to look at it as you, you don't want anybody getting hurt. But if you're const- if you're not used to playing at least a little bit hurt, then I don't know. Could that affect you when it comes to getting farther into the season? Like, hey, I'm not used to uh, I'm not well, used to playing. Gonna, I'm not used to playing when gonna... I'm hurt. You know? There's going to be a time in the in the in the season, particularly if you make the playoffs, when it's going to be crunch time, and we don't got a second shot. It's do or die. We've either got to win tonight or we're done. Yeah. And you know you might have to dig a little deeper. And let's be honest, uh, you know, and, and rightfully so, the professional athletes are pampered. You know, yeah, they are. You know, they're revenue-generating machines for owners in the league, and, and they are, for the most part, particularly the really good players, are spoiled up. And you know what? They probably should be to some degree. But it may have gone a little too far, maybe, you know, where guys who are getting paid, like, you know, we've talked about with uh, Kawhi Leonard in particular, where, you know, the guy's making, I don't know, $35 million or whatever it is, and, you know, yeah. he can't play. He can't play two nights in a row. I mean, come on, really? I don't know about you, but most people's jobs require them to show up more than twice a week. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, it's the trend right now. And I said, you know, owners are, you know, I've got a, I've got a guy tied up for three or four years at $150 million and he's, He's generating $500 million in revenue for me. I don't want him to get hurt. I mean, that's true, too. You don't want anybody to get hurt. I see the both sides of it. But then again, eventually you may have to play hurt. That's just what it comes down to. And that's that's my biggest worry is you have guys and teams that are like, oh, well, he, you know, you tweaked yourself a little bit. Okay, we'll go out there and we'll do it an, another time or just set this one out. No, you got to play sometimes when you're hurt. I it mean, depends on what's hurt. Well, again, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I get that. I mean, we've seen we've seen some cases where, well, you know, my I've got you know uh, upper body soreness. Well, big whoop, get out there. Then you got other guys who are playing on you know bad knees or bad ankles or whatever, and I mean, you really are one play away from. Career in so I you know I get it on some level. Yeah, I get it too. I mean, you, you got to take care of yourselves. I don't know. 
it's you know, but yet here we see injuries all the time. I mean, you look at the the Joel Embiid injury with the finger, and he's out. Um, and you're going to hear more about that from Tom Moore, uh, you know, coming up here in a little while as we talk to him about the Joel Embiid situation and the injury and and what's going on in Philly. But I'm also looking at Anthony Davis, who went out and luckily wasn't hurt as bad as what was thought because. You know, Davis has been so injury-plagued throughout his career. It's just like one bad bump, and Davis could be done for the season. Well, and, if I'll, and Tim, if they lose Davis, that team's trouble. hope of any kind of title is gone, as far as well, I'm would concerned. You, do you think that perhaps, it, uh, for especially for the older guys, that just the sheer size and weight of some of these guys is demental to playing basketball, period? Um Well, if you've played, you know, you play school ball and some of them, you know, anywhere from a year or two to three of college basketball, and then you've played 10 years in the NBA and you're six foot nine and weigh 260 pounds, you know, that's a pretty good, you know, your body's not really designed to do that. Yeah. And once you do get an injury, then the trouble starts because... It's kind of a never-ending story, usually for most of them, anyway. Yeah, I mean, a lot of seven-footers really do struggle with injuries. I mean, we've seen it how many years. I mean, look at Greg Oden and how good that I think he would have been had he not been hurt so often. But here he, he gets into the NBA, they find an injury, and then he just never recovered. I mean, Andrew Bynum was another guy who uh, was so big and so dominant, and then he got hurt, and then that was it. Um, the size of the of the guy matters, and then, of course, the injury matters, which is why so many people are worried about DeMarcus Cousins with his injury. They don't know if he will be able to come back and be that kind of NBA player that he was beforehand because Boogie Hell. Cousins was a dominant player, and he got an injury, and now he can't stay healthy for anything. I mean, hell, people are talking about Zion Williamson already, and he hasn't even played a game yet, that he has an injury that if he's not careful, could be something that plagues him for his entire career. And I think that's why they were a little more cautious with him and why they took so much time with bringing him in uh, to to actually play. They wanted to make sure he was as 100% as 100% can get. Well, now they're um, talking, what, the 21st, I believe they're talking about 22nd, now? next week. Next Thursday okay. will be the return. Well, so well, I mean, we'll get hype so. next the, week. You know, the league could use a little hype. There's no two ways around that. It's been, you know, short of Jimmy Butler freaking out. It's been <laughs> That's a weekly pretty, occurrence. It's been pretty quiet, really. There hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you haven't seen a whole lot of noise from the NBA this time of year, but no, of course this is, this is NBA play, this is NFL playoff time, so you know that kind of dominates, and then of course the college football national championship game, and you know all the other sports are doing their thing, so we're right in the middle of the, the dog days of NBA right now, so it, it's. It's a, yeah, it's, we're, a, it's the the newness of the season is wore off a little bit, but we're too far away from the where the games are really going to start to ma- matter. That, yeah, you know, you're you're in that lull spot. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's it's a dog it's a dog fight, and this is where teams win and lose seasons is here in this part of the year, 
this is when you go on your runs. And and speaking of going on runs, let's let's look at some of the runs some of these teams have went on. The Utah Jazz have been absolutely on fire. They are Why ten and zero in their last ten they, games. I mean, I selected them. I mean, they have to do that. Well, not only them, but they're ten and zero in their last ten games. And, and, and I want to look at this schedule. Let's let's see if the hype is worth getting hyped about here. Their last loss was a three point loss to the Heat, and before that, even they had won. Five straight. Portland. They had won five straight. So Clippers, since the, Pistons, since well, December eleventh. It's, it's not exactly a who's who of basketball powerhouses, however. Well, it's not, but since December eleventh, the Utah Jazz have won um fifteen. Fifteen straight. But hey, you gotta win the or fifteen game. I should say fifteen out of sixteen. You have gotta win the games you should win. You know, that's the difference between playoffs and not playoffs for most teams. Yeah, they've won 15 out of 16. They had lost three in a row to the Raptors, Sixers, and Lakers. Then they would beat the Grizzlies and then lost to the Thunder. Then they beat, in succession, the Wolves, the Warriors, the Magic, the Hawks, the Hornets. Lost to the Heat by three. Then beat the Blazers, the Clippers at at Los Angeles, the Detroit Chicago, Orlando, New Orleans, and that was a three-game road trip, the Bulls, Magic, Pelicans. Then they go home and beat the Knicks and the Hornets. Then they go back on the road, and they beat the Wizards and the Nets, and they play the Pelicans tomorrow night all on the road. So, And they've got the Kings after that. So that's two more winnable games. They could end up winning, Tim, 17 out of 18, very convincingly. And they've moved up to the number two seed, in the Western Conference, they leapfrogged the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, they're what, a half a game ahead of Denver, I believe. Yeah, they're a half game up on Denver, and the Clippers are tied with Denver right now. Uh, the Clippers are at four. Of course, the Lakers have won nine straight, so even without Anthony Davis, they've continued to roll. They yeah, beat the Cavs, say, Thunder, um, Mavs, Knicks, Pistons, Pelicans, Suns, Mavericks, and Trailblazers. Their last loss was is, Christmas Day. They haven't lost since Christmas Day. The second is probably about as good as anybody can hope for in the Western Conference at this point because L.A. doesn't really look like they're going to slow down much. But let's look uh, at this, Tim. And this is for kind of for both teams. I'm looking at L.A., the, the Lakers. They lost four straight. Um, they lost to Indiana, Milwaukee, Denver, and the Clippers. Four straight games they lost there. Those are all top four teams in both the East and West. They lost all four of them. Then between then, between Christmas Day and now, they have played two playoff teams since um, that are currently in playoff position. Well, let me see. Is Detroit in the playoffs right now? I don't Um, think they would be. Uh, No, Detroit is not. So they they had beaten two playoff teams, and that was the Thunder, who are the – seventh seed in the West, and the Mavericks, who are the sixth seed in the West. And they're playing without Chris Stapp's Porzingis. So while the Lakers and the Jazz are both winning ball games, and they are, and I give, I tip my hat to them, they're not beating – they're winning the games they're supposed to win. Does that make sense? Like you said it earlier. Yeah, so. yeah. You, you gotta and you got to do that. Yeah, you got to do that. You got to uh, do that. I mean, because when you look at the East, you got, you know, 
Milwaukee's nine nine and one in their last ten, and after that, it gets ugly. Um, yeah, and I'm looking here. Even and here's the team that's been on a on a, a tear six straight. The Memphis Grizzlies, of all people, of all teams that you know that you wouldn't expect to be on a roll, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. They uh, January second they lost to the Kings, and then they turned it on. They beat the Clippers, the Suns, the Wolves, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Rockets. They've got the Cavs on Friday. That's a win. That's a winnable game. Pelicans on Monday. That's winnable. So the Grizzlies are being are trying to get on a little well, bit of a run here, and the Grizzlies right now are setting eighth in the West with. Um, a 19 and 22 record, six in a row, eight and two in their last 10. Um, and and the scary part is they're not even Ooh. over 500. And you got to admit, I mean, this is the usually, even though we just finished saying it's the boring part of the year, it's also the part of the year where the uh, pretenders tend to start to fade and the good teams that maybe weren't doing quite as well. Like last year, I think it was Houston who everybody was having a heart attack about, and then all of a sudden they just started to get better and better, and pretty soon they were right back where they kind of always are. Um, I think maybe you're seeing a bit of that. Uh, The good teams are continuing to be fairly good, and the bad teams are starting to really, you know, you've got the uh, Hawks and the Knicks and the Cavs, and they are what they are at this point. Not going to get any better. Yeah, I mean Oklahoma City's went eight and two in their last ten. Memphis has went eight and two in their last ten. Utah ten and zero. Uh, Lakers nine and one, and the Pelicans are seven and three in their last ten. So they're starting to turn it on here in this part of the season. I mean, well, it, seven, it's and it's wide and open. They're seven and three in their last ten, and yet they're fifteen and twenty six on the season. <laughs> they had a rough start, but hey, you laugh. They're only four games out of eighth, and they're fourteenth oh, in the West. Yeah, that that eighth spot is up for grabs in the West still. Yeah, and Golden State has lost nine in a row, so their chances at landing that eighth spot they had a chance, but it's very slim right now. Is they're now eleven or yeah, but ten I, and a half I back? Would, yeah, I would count them out, but I wouldn't count anybody else out. Yeah, I, I four games is nothing in the NBA, yeah. and right now the Wolves yeah. are playing the the Pacers. Who um, and they're winning right now. So and they were. I was going to say, and they're winning. So well, give um, give them give them time before this program's over. We'll probably be talking about <laughs> how they yeah, blew it. Let's let's reexamine that when the fourth quarter rolls around. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of reexamining, you need to head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC and reexamine your life. You don't have some of the awesome stuff that our good friends over there are putting out. Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. Man, that great place. They've got some new stuff that they're releasing at the moment. I've really been enjoying it. They got the new Jim Halpert Office Pop Vinyl, um, and it's a it's a tough one to get. It's the Jim Chase figure. So go check it out. It's over on their site. Uh, $30 for that. you got to check it out. Um, and, shoot, I kind of want it myself. If you're into the Umbrella Academy, uh, they've got some of that going on over there. I don't know anybody who is off the top of my head. But, hey, yeah, if you're you into know, it, it's it, there. I, I have watched a episode of the Umbrella Academy, and I have to admit it was pretty good. Well, they've got all the pop Funkos you could want over there at Atomic Comics and Collectibles. And, of course, still doing the Teenage Mutant. Go check those out. They'll let the entire set go for $60. And, um, 
I'll tell you what, we'll hear their commercial, then we're going to come back and talk about... Do, uh, uh, do they have, by any chance, uh, Kenny Omega Sega? <laughs> you know I still have a Sega, believe it or not. Yeah, I believe still it. works, too. And my games, they all still work. All right, have, let's hear from our friends at Tommy Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And then we're going to talk about college basketball, and we're going to talk about upsets. All right. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Well, we want to talk about college basketball just for a minute, as right now, Kentucky is trailing the University of South Carolina in a uh, SEC battle. And, you know, it's not been the year to be a Kentucky fan this year, Tim. They've just been taking rights and lefts from everybody. It's uh, been a strange – I mean, not that our all years aren't a little bit strange in college basketball, but – But it's it been more been strange than normal. Weird, it has been a weird, weird year so far in college basketball. I, I mean – it seems like uh, let's uh, give us the number one ranking so we'll go out and lose to a team we have absolutely no business losing to. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky is trailing South Carolina by five with a minute and a half to go. Um, I'm looking here. Georgetown is beating Creighton. Baylor is in a dogfight with Iowa State right now. Seton Hall beat Butler. So that's kind of surprising there. Butler was ranked number five. Auburn is undefeated. Uh, still, and they're playing Alabama tonight. Um, and of course, la- who, who can forget Duke loses to Clemson yesterday. Well, would you uh, believe that's the second on, Duke loss in the year on the on the Duke story? Just to rub salt in the wound, to because his own university is severely overrated. Um, Clemson has done in the last three games what they haven't been able to do in over a decade. Oh yeah. They've beaten NC State, the University of North Carolina, and Duke all in a row. Wow. That's crazy. And, and our boys, they're only 9-7 and seven right now, which means that run started when they were 6-7 and seven and have no business beating anybody. Well, there you go. Sometimes it takes – sometimes you got to lose in order to uh, – to pick up and go and win. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes you learn more from losing. Well, I mean, sometimes, uh, I mean, I don't know if Duke had a big game on their schedule that they were looking past uh, Clemson or if, if the rumor is true that they thought it was college football and just didn't bother to show up. Um, I don't know, but 
it's very odd that it's uh, it's one thing for a top ranked team to lose to you know somebody in the top twenty five at least, but to lose to I mean Duke's two losses have been to horrific schools, Clemson and uh, FS Austin. Like they, Duke has a or SF has a, Austin, excuse me, dyslexia. Yeah, yeah Duke, Duke has a has a uh, tradition of when they lose, they tend to really go down to somebody that's just totally insane. Like they got to play Louisville next, so maybe that's what they were looking at. Maybe I mean that very well could be. You know, you think you got it, got it in hand, and then the next thing you know, um, it just happens. Well, I wonder if they, if they, what happens in Duke. Never hear it, but I wonder if internally you hear it. Never talk about finally getting Mike Shashevsky out of there. No, won't happen. He'll leave when he wants he, to. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine he, he leaves when he's decided he's ready to go. Um, in order to like have a, like a absolutely horrific season and we're like a sub-500 team or something. Yeah, he's... Uh... Yeah, he, he leaves again. It's one of those things where he leaves when he wants to leave. So probably won't happen. Um but you know, Shashesky's he's a great he, he was a great coach for sure. That's that's no no doubt about that, but it's I I don't well, know. Duke, Duke as a school has done a very good job of convincing whether it's true or not is another question, I don't really know. But from everything you read in here, they do a very good job of convincing kids and parents that you will either a get an education at Duke at the very least, or we'll do everything we can to get you into the NBA. Yeah, I mean that's, that's pretty much what they get. I mean, that's oh, uh, oh, no lie. Yeah, I mean their their graduation rate is pretty high, from what I understand. So. I mean, I'm not a Duke fan. Don't like them. Think they're overrated. Well, I I can take it. Yeah, I think they get a lot of love for absolutely no reason. But in the same breath, you know, they are a perennial. As long as I can remember, they've been pretty good. So say what you want. Yeah. Well, Tim, there's one thing I do want to say, and you know what it is. It's time for Bush you call him a monkey that's funny but, <laughs> but anyway it's bush league and we're back yet again with your three bush league nominees and this week we're handing out the best prize you could ever think of all right tim head on over to the wide men can't jump twitter and scroll right. down to the bottom video and we will get started i am there let's roll let's do it all right our first Bush League nominees, DeAndre Jordan throws the ball inbounds, intercepted, and three-point shot goes in. But wait, he throws the ball down, it hits his shoe, and just fires off all the way down the court. <laughs> oh, you man. Know, you, you know, you can see him look at the ball. Uh, you know, okay, he gets under the ball, he inbounds, and he already knows he's in trouble. The hand, yeah, hand, goes, up to the he- hand goes up to the head, and he realizes that's going in. Um, oh man, that's going to be on sports. I'm going to everyone on Twitter for this. And 
I'm just going to let out my aggression a tiny little bit by slamming this ball into the ground. And, oh, I hit my foot. I am a complete and total failure. Putts I am. Ugh. But he did happen to make... That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? He did make I mean, Bush League. You know your day's not going well when even your tantrum doesn't work out. <laughs> true. All right, our next Bush League nominee, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo goes down and tries to throw an alley-oop, and uh, he left the alley out, and uh, all he did was say, oops, as he throws the ball into about the 15th row. (laughs) I believe he was channeling his father at that point, and just, you know, such power. In the ball yeah. there, <laughs> Must have been something as that just did not work out as planned. <laughs> something went haywire yeah. there. I mean, it kind of looks like his dad when he was shooting threes at that one of those ball <laughs> brand exhibition things. It really things. did. It really did. <laughs> but it was like nowhere near it. anywhere. Yeah. Kind of in the general, <laughs> general direction of where it's supposed to go, but not really. Yeah. Well, Lonzo Ball, you know what it was. I mean, that's not his Bush League. That was ugly. Blame it on the foot injury, kid. Blame it on the foot injury. Well, speaking of ugly, Russell Westbrook has a chance, and the dunk doesn't work out. Oh, Russ, say it ain't so. Tried to bring the hammer, and uh, I guess he forgot the nail because he just didn't finish it off. (laughs) Now, what I like about this is, okay, uh, I've got the ball. Watch. Everyone watch. As I am going to be super cool now and smash this thing through like a beast. Oh, wait a minute. I have mistimed my jump slightly. And I'm in colder <laughs> last year. And I can't quite do this as good as I used to be able to. Oh, shit. I have screwed up. Um, how, can, how cool can I act? I'll hang on the rim for an extra little bit here to make it look <laughs> like I'm still cool. And no, oh, man. Another guy who's going, oh, shit, that's going to be on ESPN. It's also going to be on... uh, That's Bush League. Yeah, that's Bush League. I mean, mean, at least 62 people in the greater West Virginia area are going to see this. Oh, exactly. (laughs) So, Tim, Bush League, who takes the crown this week? That's three good ones. I mean, I sort of want to lean towards Mr. Ball, but ah, I feel bad. I feel like I'm piling on on that kid. So I'm not going to go there. Um, you know, the, the, be? the dunk is pretty spectacularly a spectacular fail. But damn it, I got to go with that. I'm going to throw a tantrum and then break my own toe with the ball. <laughs> that there. I love that. Uh, so DeAndre Jordan... DeAndre Jordan wins Bush League this week, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations to DeAndre Jordan as he has won a buy one, get one at Shinston Stomach Pumps, uh, now located in the Delco area. So congratulations. He also also gets to call himself a member of the Bruce Poban's uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, and he will win a nightlight to make sure that his bedroom when he goes to sleep is well lit. That's been Bush League for this week. And that's you know been Bush League. Go ahead. You know what I see when that happens, Nate? 
What's that? I just, I just picture the bogus household. And I picture Ed primed and ready. Here's his music. Shushes his kid and his wife out of the way. Give me some space. Everybody <laughs> off the dance floor. Ed, Ed must cut a rug. Well, I'll tell you what. If he does that and removes removes his shirt when he doesn't, then he should be on stripcamfun.com because you can head on over there and uh, you may see a wild dancing bogus. You never know what can happen on stripcamfun.com. If you head on over now and check it out, let's hear some more from him. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. StripCamFun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Oh, ho, 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 StripCamFun. And speaking of fun, South Carolina with defeats continue. Kentucky, as Kentucky misses the game tying three. Oh, Kentucky was up thirty-three to twenty-five at the end of the first half. South Carolina outscored them fifty-six to forty-five in the second half. Nate, oh, the collective IQ of the state of Kentucky just dropped one point, and I don't know if they can afford that, Nate. I mean, they may not be able to. Who knows? Um, I'm going to see if I can see the last play here because, again, I all I saw was uh, the update. I'm going to see if I can see it. I know quickly uh, for Kentucky comes down. They're down three. Let's see here if it'll play for me. They're, they're down three. Down the court he comes. 30 seconds left to tie it. Brick. They put a, back, they put, put a tip up. No tip ends. The bank was open, but nobody used it. South Carolina gets the rebound, and they're gonna and they're so they will survive. Wide I mean, open three, quickly missed, tie the game. I mean, how does a, a they're ranked tenth in the country supposedly? They give up fifty six points in the second half. Yeah, that's pretty awful. That's a, that's pretty bad. What's going on there? I'm starting to think the polls are just becoming a uh, name recognition well, thing. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and look, look what happened to North Carolina. I mean, you, North Carolina used to be a pretty good team, and they're just garbage this year. Yeah, well, injuries hurt them quite a bit, so you probably won't even see them in the NCAA tournament, um, which is um, surprising. Unless they somehow pull off some kind of a miracle at the end of the year and win a fun thing or something crazy like that, I can't see it. I mean, they're just not very good. No, no, this year they are not very good. I will agree with you, Tim. They're not very I wonder good. When, but... I wonder when the last time is that North Carolina didn't make the uh, 64. I don't know. Let's find out, shall we? I mean, they, I mean, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. 
The they're thirteenth in the ACC. Thirteenth. The only team worse than them is Wake Forest. They're, they're actually only a they're a half a game ahead of Wake Forest. Whew. Wake Forest hasn't been much since Timmy Duncan. Um, I mean, no, they're one and four in the conference this year, and eight and eight overall. That is not yeah. good. No, 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 it's not. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find a uh, the last time they missed the tournament. Um, is Dean I'm Smith looking still here. the coach in North Carolina? I don't know. I don't know Roy Williams. Uh, well, I believe whoever, it's the 2009. It's got to be sweating because I believe it was 2009, 2010 was the last time. Okay, yeah, well that's not okay. That's not that long ago. That's it. 2010, and they lost in the NIT finals. And Roy Williams has only missed the NCAA tournament twice. One time in Kansas in 1989, and then 2009, 2010 with North Carolina. Well, it's going to be three times. <laughs> More than likely, you're right, but more we'll than, see. Hey, crazier things have happened. Well, true. It ain't it ain't over till it's over, but it's probably going to be three times, barring. Well, mind you, you know Duke could fall apart tomorrow morning and lose eight in a row. So. Yeah, you never know. Uh, again, <laughs> and you know what? They could lose every game from here on out and surprise everybody and win the conference tournament and get in. So, yeah, you never know. You can't rule I mean, it out. That's, that's the beauty of college basketball. But speaking of beauty, nothing beats a good steak. Nothing beats a good steak, and you're not going to get a better steak. A, I thought that was a Tom Robinson segue, but carry on. Well, it could be if Tom Robinson shopped at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you use promo code WIDEMAN. Save 10% on your order and get that Montana grass-fed ground beef. It is delicious, and they will have you and everyone in your family wanting to order more mouth-watering steaks, and all kinds of meat that you can sink your teeth into, stayclassymeats.com. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Big thanks to our sponsors over at stayclassymeats.com. Go check them out. If you don't check them out, you know what you are? Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. 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 Well, Dummy. Or a vegan. Maybe a vegan. <laughs> and if you're vegan, you know what you are? Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Previous opinion is not that of white men can. <laughs> well, true. Yes, it is. All right. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but this anyway. would be the time where Tim and I were able to sit down and have a chat with the man from the Bucks County Courier Times, Tom Moore. 
He's at the Philadelphia-Brooklyn game tonight, and on his way there, he called the injury to Joel Embiid. And, you know, some of the struggles and even some of the rumors surrounding a lot of people being unhappy with Ben Simmons. Um, and it was a really fun conversation, was it not, Tim? Tom Moore, uh, an expert and a gentleman's gentleman, as always. As always. So, Tim, we're getting the finger from Shackelford, and uh, you kiss your mother with that mouth. But uh, he's telling us that we need to get to the clip. And uh, what do you say? Oh, and throws the tape, Nate. Do you speak German? Yahoo, Nate. Yahoo? Well, same yes, to you. <laughs> oh my god! I, I don't speak I don't speak German unless Rammstein's playing it. Okay, okay. Well, right. that was as German as Ernst rolls the tape, Nate. Really <laughs> wasn't German, you moron. <laughs> you sound like Frau off of Austin Powers. <laughs> oh, exactly. Very well done. Ernst, Nate. Ernst rolls the tape, Nate. Oh, bring it to clown! <laughs> Send in the clown! Let's roll it. Back on the show with us is Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times. Tom, thanks again for jumping on to talk a little Sixers with us. Sure, guys. Glad to do it. Awesome to have you on here, and uh, I'm going to let Tim lead with the the million dollar question here. Tim, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? I know you got questions about the injury to Joel Embiid. Well, you know, I'm going to surprise you. I didn't really want to talk about that. Well, you did. Go ahead. Go ahead and lead. Well, what I wanted to talk about um, it's kind of a generalization, but. Um, Tom can fill in the blanks. The 76ers, uh, 25 and 16, still on a pace to win 50. And yet, I think we'd all agree that they've got some issues. Um, bench is kind of weak. Offense is kind of slow, not very creative. What is Philly going to do to shore things up? Yeah, Tim, I think Elton Brand, you know, has – you know, has to augment the roster by the February 6th trade deadline. I think clearly they need a scorer off the bench um, who could end up being a guy that plays down the stretch of games, especially with Embiid, you know, sidelined for another three-plus weeks. Um, yeah, the, it, I, the pieces, it, it isn't, you know, I don't know. It, it's not kind of coming together, I think, the way um thought it would be kind of a progression and, you know, the road record is very concerning. Uh, you know, right now the Sixers are sixth in the East, but they're only like two games out of third. So it is a hodgepodge. So they're not far, you know, from having home court in the first uh, round. But really the, the, the second seed is something that would, could be really important because you get that home court advantage in the second round, assuming you don't get upset in the first round. And, uh, you know, in a game seven, you look at what happened with the Sixers in Toronto last year. Home court is such a, a, a huge advantage. Um, but, yes, uh, I think the Sixers, I think Elton Brand realizes they need a shooter, whether it's Luke Kennard from the Pistons or Langston Galloway from Detroit or any of the other guys that are out there. And then 
But the other interesting thing is if you can't get somebody you want, and let's face it, the Sixers don't have a lot to trade that other people want, maybe Zaire Smith, who isn't playing much, who's on a rookie contract, who has some ability, two more years of team control, you might be able to trade him for, you know, for, a, for a rotation player. But then they have the buyout market in the aftermath of the trade deadline. That's how two years ago uh, they brought in uh, Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova, who really helped them. Uh, you know, beat the beat the Heat in the first round and advanced to the, you know, second round where they lost to the Celtics in five games. So it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, Elton Brand knows he needs to make some moves, but he needs to kind of project who's going to be there that's going to get bought out by maybe a, a bad team that's not going anywhere, who's in the last year of a contract who they can sign to the veterans minimum and give them, a you know, a, a boost, um, especially with Embiid out. So then, would you argue then that um, there really isn't much they can do with the personnel they've got? They can't really maybe change the way the offense runs. Um, they're just going to have to make do. Uh, well, I mean, they've changed since Embiid went out. They're pushing the ball more. They're trying to run more, which is more what Ben Simmons likes to do. Um, then when Embiid gets back, whether that's in February, early March, whenever, they're going to switch back to more of a half-court kind of walk-it-down, walk uh, post-him-up kind of offense. Um, you know, I I mean, I think there's some things they can do. I, I, I still think they take too many three-point shots, but Brett Brown keeps insisting he wants them to take more threes, and I know the game is all about, you know, dunks and layups and three-pointers. But, you know, not having J.J. Redick and not having a real, you know, a 40% reliable three-point threat that the other team has to guard every time down court, I'd rather see them, you know, uh, take some more mid-range shots, attack the basket more, things like that. But I know that's not the way the game is going, and maybe that's me being old school. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think there are some things they can do that can certainly improve this. You know, Ben Simmons, for all the wonderful things he does, the last two road games did not score in the fourth quarter and only took two shots. When Joel Embiid's out, that's unacceptable. He has to attack the basket. He has to try to make something happen. Josh Richardson had 17 in the fourth quarter against the Pacers. But, you know, you, you need more guys than one if you're going to beat a good team on the road. Uh, so, you know, there there's a lot of things to watch. It's very very interesting situation. You know, I know the people are coming down on Rep Brown and he's got to make the some of the parts equal, you know, uh, kind of come together and equal something, you know, that, that people are expecting in a, in a finals contender, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, and there's something to be said for that, especially, you know, they don't close games out on the road, which is concerning in a 7-14 road record with, with the players they have. You know, it, you know it's certainly that that's not what anybody expected. Okay, I got one more. I'll turn it over to Nate. Um, the schedule going forward for Philadelphia is relatively uh, easy, I guess you could say, maybe is the word. They got a pretty soft schedule for the rest of the year. Um, what are the odds, do you think, anyway, that they just stand pat, try to hold on until Embiid comes back and go from there? Well, I mean, they're only six and ten without Embiid. So if you do the numbers, um, you know they 
they, they have not exactly uh, torn the league apart when Embiid plays. Now, they did lose four of their last five without Embiid. It seems like um, the early, you know, the early situations where he didn't play, they had some more success, although they did beat the Celtics last week, you know, at home. Um, I, I think – well, I think if you're doing that, you're basically saying, Brett Brown, you got to get it done or else. To me, you know, if, if you can add somebody, whether it's, like I said, with Zaire Smith or, you know, a, a, a fringe piece and a draft pick or something like that to bolster, especially the bench, I think you have to try to do it um, to give, you know, Brett Brown a better chance to win. And, and you know, to the, the, the bench, you just don't have any shooting. Furkan Korkmaz had a pretty good first month, but I think we're seeing now that I don't think he's a guy that you want as your shooter off the bench in the playoffs. He's just not ready for that role. Good. Quick quick add-on to that before I let Nate go again. Um, if they don't get it done, is Brett Brown's job in jeopardy? I mean, you know, people thought that was the case last year. There were certainly high hopes this year, um, projected to win 54, 55 games. You know, you, you can say, well, Embiid's going to end up missing – whatever it is, 20-some games this year. Uh, but I think eventually, and maybe this year will be eventually, I think, you know, they need to make the conference finals uh, unless, you know, Embiid misses the rest of the season or something. I think eventually, um, you know, he's going to be held accountable because, you know, this is year seven, and it's the third year where they've been a 50-win team, and they certainly added more talent. Um, the starting five, you know, should be one of the better starting fives in the league. Um, they have some size. Again, the bench, you need a shooter, maybe a backup point guard. But I think this could be the year where, you know, uh, Brown is held accountable depending on how the playoffs go and, as I said, what happens with Embiid. Well, Tom, I wanted to bring up one, Al Horford. Horford is a guy who – Came over from Boston, super talented player. Um, been in the league a long time now. Nice veteran presence. Did the Celt, did the Celtics, excuse me, did the Sixers feel like they're getting their money's worth from Al Horford? He's got a nice contract, averaging twelve points a game with six rebounds. That's a little bit down from his, you know, career stats. Do they feel like Al Horford's really fitting in beside Joel Embiid when Embiid's healthy? Yeah. It- it is a work in progress. Um, they are both natural centers, especially uh, Horford at this point in his career. He starts at the four, and then he backs up Embiid usually about five, six minutes into the game. He stays on the floor as the backup center. Um, you know, they, they both like to post up. You can't post everybody up. So I think it's really been an adjustment for Horford. I think it's more natural for him when he is the center as he is now with Embiid out. But – you know, he's certainly not the interior defensive presence that Embiid is. Um, so, uh, and, you know, he's got three more years on his contract after this year. He's 33 years old. Um, the caveat is, you know, he had a sore left knee for about four months last year, and you really have to watch. You, you don't, 33, want to be playing him 34, 35 minutes a game because, you you know, if, if he um, is not close to 100% in the playoffs, as I said, he's not only your starting four, he's your backup five when Embiid's healthy. So it's really a balancing act for Brett Brown. I mean, you realize you want to get home court advantage. You want a top two seed. 
but you want to have your players as healthy as possible going into the playoffs, and those two can be mutually exclusive. So for him, he's got to really try to balance both things and win as many games as he can within reason without, you know, playing his, playing his guys too many minutes. So that's why, um, you know, it, it's really, it's really a fine line for him. Um, you know, your, you know, your job could be on the line in, in the playoffs or whatever here. So you got to do as well as you can, but if Al Horford's out in the playoffs because of tendonitis in, in the knee, guess what? Um, you know, who's, who starts when he's out? It's, it's a drop off and you don't have your backup, you know, center, your top backup center. So it is, you know, I, and I, I don't think it's a question of effort with Horford. I just think he's really struggling to kind of adapt to the, to the situation. Um, and especially when he plays the four position, um, you know, chasing guys at the three-point line and so on, as opposed to being anchored, uh, you know, in the lane defensively. Uh, he plays more away from the basket on offense, you know, when it beats there. Uh, so that is something that, you know, Brett Brown continues to work on. And, you know, as the personnel changes, it changes what he does and what he tries to do. Um, ben Simmons is another controversial figure in Philly, at least for me this season. It seems like, you know, if you follow Twitter closely, it seems like maybe people are starting to, I don't want to say rebel against Ben Simmons, but there's not the love and the patience for him that there has been in years past. Do you feel like Simmons, people are growing, maybe Philly fans are growing a little a little impatient with him as he's only averaging 15 a game this season with, I mean, he's averaging seven rebounds, eight and a half assists, but do you feel like maybe there's a little bit of a frustration due to his inability to shoot the ball? I think a little bit of is it that is that they've been patient. The fans have been patient and kind of given him the benefit of the doubt and they're not seeing, you know, a progression that he's taking more mid range shots. Um, he's not attacking the basket you know, in the fourth quarter, especially late in games. And, and my supposition, and I'm not the only one, is that he doesn't want to get fouled and go to the line. He's, you know, 60% foul free throw shooter. And if you watch teams play him to pass late in the game, you know, when he gets to the foul line and they run parallel with him because um, they, they're pretty sure he's not going to go to the rim. He's going to kick it to Josh Richardson at the three-point line or Tobias Harris or whoever it is. So I think that, you know, they've been very patient, but they're kind of start want, waiting and wanting to see uh, him do more in that respect. You know, 16 games ago, Brett Brown came out and said, I want Ben Simmons to shoot one, at least one three-pointer a game. Well, in the 16 games, he's taken a total of one three-pointer, and that was not a regular three-pointer. It was a shot to beat the buzzer. So he has not taken a single three-pointer, which I'm fine with. I don't think Ben Simmons is a three-point shooter. But Ben Simmons has opened 10, 12, 14-footers anytime he wants. To me, those are the shots he should be taking. Those are high-percentage shots. He still has to get within six feet of the basket to shoot the, the hook shot or, or, or get all the way to the rim. And I think that that's one of the reasons that they're getting a little impatient because they, 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 they were believing and they were, they were thinking, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and they don't see a, a, a progression, and now maybe they're starting to wonder a little bit. Yeah, and, and I feel like Simmons, um, I always 
I always look at him as a guy who's a point guard until he gets across half court sometimes. At least that's that's my feeling. Um, maybe that's just me, though. Um, anyway, you brought up Josh Richardson. He's been a nice little piece to, to step in for Jimmy Butler. I, I'm not going to say he's better than Butler because I, I don't believe that's true. Um, but 15.7 points a game, decent shooter. Uh, I mean, he's knocking down 34% of his threes this season. That's down a little bit. But um, he's asked to do a lot more here than he is in Miami. How's he fitting in with this Sixers club this season so far? Yeah, I think the last uh, week or so, nine or ten days, he's been much more aggressive at the beginning of games. And that started the game and Bede got hurt uh, a week ago Monday where he started uh, being much more assertive at the offensive end early on. And then last week when they beat the Celtics, um, uh, when Embiid was out, he was also very aggressive. And I think that's what they want. He's clearly an upgrade over Jay Redick at the defensive end. Um, and he's a secondary ball handler, but he is not Redick at the three-point line. And teams know that. And I think spacing can be an issue with the Sixers because they have guys who want to post up. Um, they have guys that are, you know, take that three-point shot. Again, I, I'm not sure necessarily they should take as many threes as they do, especially on the road where they've really struggled during the six-game losing streak from three-point uh, land. But, you know, I, I think his transition has been really as good as you could – you know, expect, as you said, he's got a lot on his plate. They're asking him to do a lot. He had 17 in the fourth quarter the other night. You know, the Pacers, the reason they were still in the game was because of him uh, driving to the basket, um, had a three that went in and out that could have tied the game, you know, down the stretch. Um, You know, I I think he has been, you know, I think he is not the problem. Let's put it that way. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you said Richardson's not the problem. What do you think the biggest problem with this 76ers team is right now? Um, you know, they're really underperforming from what they're projected. Now, granted, I mean, their underperformance is a lot of teams' overperformance or, you know, higher than expected. It's just this team was, as you said earlier, suspected to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in that 1-2 seed comment they're sixth right now what do you think is the problem right now that you can see with the Sixers yeah well I mean they're 18 to 2 at home and they're 7 and 14 on the road and I I realize that you know really good teams are tough to beat the heat uh you know top level teams on the road but I mean they lost they lost to the Magic on the road they lost to the Pistons they've lost to some some mediocre teams and given some games away that they were in position to win on the road um you know, 18 and two is a terrific home record. You know, put they're on course to they keep that up. You know, you're looking at like uh, 38 wins at home, uh, something like that, which would be fan 37 wins at home, 37 and four, which would be fantastic. But you got to win half your games on the road. You do that, you know, you're looking at at a 58 win season. But the way they're going, um, you know, they really and, and some of that, and I know. You know, Orford rested some, you know, occasionally in games. Um, you know, they have not had the starting group together as much as they'd like. And I think early on, I think uh, I think that Richardson and Harris were still too deferential, were not looking for their own shot as much as they needed to be. They were getting the ball to Embiid um, and other guys more so uh, and not looking for their own shots, which I think they've done a better job of without Embiid. I think the thing is to kind of 
especially for Horford, for, for excuse me, for uh, Richardson and uh, and Harris to keep being aggressive offensively when Embiid comes back. And I think that will help with spacing and it'll help with other teams preventing them from doubling so much on Embiid. Uh, uh, but it just, it's a combination of things, uh, really, that, you know, that they haven't been as good, you know, as projected. Um, and as you said, they're still on course to win 50 games, but this team was not perceived as a 50-win team. You know, its team was perceived. And they missed Jimmy Butler down the stretch. There's no question who's going to take the last shot, who's going who's gonna to make the last shot. And that has been an issue, you know, for this team, especially on the road. So, you know, they are fig- still figuring some things out, but, you know, we are halfway through the season. And after the, all- after the All-Star break in mid-February, I mean, it's a sprint. You're, you-, you only have, you know, like 27 games, something like that, to go the rest of the way. And the next thing you know, it's April 15th, and the playoffs are about to start. So um, there are a lot of kind of moving parts here that need to be figured out. Tim, you got a question for Tom? I got one, but it's – It's a little off the reserve, but uh, I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, Hindsight being 2020 and all that, uh, what do you think if the uh, Sixers would have kept uh, Markel Fultz and he would have progressed as much as he has in Orlando and Philadelphia still had him? Yeah. You know, I I was all for that move, but I did not know – that he had such a lack of confidence and so on. I mean, that's something that the Brian Colangelo and the Sixers should have realized by talking to people, uh, you know, that were close to him, whether it was coaches, whatever. Um, I, I think really they made the right move to kind of cut the cord and move on there. I, I just, I just think it's going to be kind of an up and down thing there. I think you know, at his size and his skill set, able to play the one and the two drive to the basket, shoot threes, you know, the way it looked like he did in college. I thought he was an ideal compliment to Ben Simmons. It did not work out that way. They could have just sat at three, and Fultz would have fallen to their lap probably. They wouldn't have had to trade up and, and, and then dealt, uh, you know, a first round, ended up being another first rounder the next year for him. I, I just think that was the time. It was, the t- it was time, and I'm not convinced. I know he's been better. I just don't – I'm not convinced that it's going to be kind of a straight line up with him. I think he's got a lot less pressure there. He's not the number one pick there. He's a guy they acquired for a future first-round pick. I think it's a different situation. I think they gave this, him, you know, every opportunity here, and blame, you know, Alton Brand for moving on from and Brett Brown for moving on from him. And he seemed like a very nice man. I liked him, and I, I liked the his apparent skill set. It just didn't translate, and I think lack of confidence really was an issue with him here. Looking at the Sixers' upcoming schedule, what do you do? You think with Embiid being out and seeing what they have coming up later as the uh, as the season rolls on here? As I'm actually trying to get the actual schedule pulled up here, but you probably would know it better than I would. Okay, here we go. I got it. Um, they've got the Nets, Bulls, Knicks, Nets their next four games against teams that they are ranked higher than in the standings. Then two rough ones with Raptors, Lakers, and then they finish off the month of January with the Warriors and the Hawks. Depending on how long Joel Embiid is out, 
do you think they can finish out January without him above 500 uh, playing with it, above 500 basketball for the month of January? Um, I mean, it is a fairly favorable schedule. Uh, looks, I guess it's six of the next eight are against teams that are behind them in the, in the standings. Um, uh, although they do go on the road a little bit, but that has been part of the problem is that they have lost to some teams they're better than that are not playoff bound on the road. I think the next eight games, you know, you go five and three or six and two. I, I think that would seem to be a reasonable goal as the, you know, the, the roles of the players become a little bit more established. Um, I think that um, I think that, that that would be you know helpful and maybe they can you know get a little bit more uh, confident in as a group uh, that they can win these close games, especially on the road without Embiid. Um, that they have a tough stretch in February, but the, the schedule is pretty favorable in you know March and April. Uh, they have a pretty favorable schedule. One of the I think it's five or six easiest in the league based on current records. Um, so the idea would be to you know, keep yourselves where you are, you know, stay, uh, you know, double-digit games above 500, um, and then Embiid comes back and, you know, make that kind of push down the stretch, hopefully augmented by another um, quality, you know, another pl- uh, quality player who can help you, and then make your move and hopefully end up with a second or third seed in the East. Uh, one thing I do want to ask, and, bef- and, and I we're we're wrapping up here. Joel Embiid, we there's really no timetable for his return. He's supposed to be reevaluated. Um, how how are things going with when it comes to Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns? I know those two have kind of went at each other quite a bit. Um, have you heard anything in the locker rooms about you know these two constantly going back and forth, or any kind of update on that little rivalry? Yeah, well, no, they have they haven't played. Now they 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 do play the the Timberwolves. I don't have it in front of me. Again, I I just don't I don't know uh, the exact date and you know whether Embiid's back. Um, you know, I I'm not really sure about that one. I I know Towns was frustrated the last time Embiid had a really good game, and Towns struggled, and you know he kind of snapped a little bit. And Embiid kind of a, a egged him on. Uh, a little bit, and then he did his whole uh, WWE routine, which I did not, uh, you know, appreciate, and that's one of the reasons I think Embiid got two games uh, instead of just one, because he did not kind of, he did not back off, and, and he was exhorting the crowd and flexing his muscles and stuff, and as I said, like a WWE thing, so uh, I think just stick to basketball, and you don't want to develop a reputation, um, you know, it's going. It could affect you in terms of how you're perceived, how things are called with you, if you keep doing, you know, doing this. But no, I haven't heard anything, you know, about it. Um, they only play twice since the Timberwolves are in the, the Western Conference. So, as I said, depending when the next game uh, would be, if it beats back, that would be, um, you know, interesting. And depending how the game goes, you know, what happens. Yeah, um, they play Minnesota on Tuesday, March 24th. So, Embiid should be back by then, I would hope. You would um, think and hope because, right, you only have like three and a half weeks left in the season at that point. So, he yeah. certainly should be back then. That's another, in another six weeks down the road. 
Yeah, so that should be an interesting matchup that people should be uh, excited to tune in for. But, Tom, I appreciate your time here on the show and, and jumping on. I know Tim does as well, and we thank you again for coming on. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you at for all your work and everything you do with the Sixers. Sure, at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at Tom Moore Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. And uh, sorry about your, the Eagles and, and the Carson Wentz and situation there. I know that probably had to sting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I got to cover. I got to cover Villanova last uh, Villanova basketball game last week. I'm getting to do some different things that maybe I wouldn't be if they, you know, had continued to win. So it, you know, there's always always things to cover. Always stuff going on. Busiest man in Philadelphia, Tom Moore, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again, Tom. We appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Sure, take care. You too. And that was my conversation with Tom Moore, and Tim was there as well. You know, our conversation, I should have said. I'm used to saying my conversation, so it came off as my, but Tim was there this time because Tim likes Tom Moore. Uh, Don't Tom Moore, Mark. Thunder, Bush. <laughs> I would never. Would never. But, um, yeah, it's always great to hear from Tom, and he's up in Brooklyn right now as the Sixers are playing the Nets, um, and they are – it's a close ball game. Last I checked, let me uh, – Give me a second here, and I'll get everybody a score update. Right now, Philly leads 111-104 with a minute 44 to go, so they may survive this one. Uh, Detroit beat Boston, though. That one kind of surprised a lot of people. Sorry, Ed. (laughs) Minnesota now trails Indiana. Boy, did I call that or what? Uh, (laughs) They're only down by (laughs) one. (laughs) But for some some reason, I thought But it will it will continue to grow as the, as the it game will it will and they'll eventually lose by ten until Carl Anthony Towns comes back. Uh, he had an injury to his knee and then he got an illness and he's still trying to recover from the illness. So I don't know. We'll see, but he'll be back soon. He could be back any day. Back. <laughs> uh, I also was able to sit down this evening and talk to Rafi Wong, who just got a new job at Hoops Habit. So congratulations to him, and they've got a good man there. And he is our guy for the Sacramento Kings. Tim, what do you say? We head over to Rafi and I's conversation? Let's roll that tape, Nate. Let's roll it. Back on the show with us from Hoops Habit is our man, Rafi Wong. Rafi, thank you so much for jumping on the show to talk a little Sacramento Kings. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, good to have you back on. And, uh, you know, the Sacramento Kings this year were coming into the season. They had a nice run last year. Um, Mm -hmm. Fell just short of the playoffs. Right now they're sitting at 13th in the West at 15 and 25. The scariest part about all of it, though, if you really look at it, is they're only three and a half back of the eighth seed in the West. So it's kind of an interesting picture out West right now. But uh, Sacramento, are you a little disappointed in, in the start so far? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, prior to this season, um, even though they had the great 
you know, rebound year last season. Um, I still didn't see them being a playoff team, but that was duly because of how stacked the West seemed to be before the season started. But, you know, it's funny how, you know, even though they struggle, they still have a chance to still contend for that eighth seed in the playoffs. But overall, with their play, definitely been disappointed. Yeah, and, and a lot of reasons for that play, I think, have, have really been disappointing. Um, the injury, and Marvin Bagley was injured for a while, so that didn't help things mm-hmm. too much. He just made a return the other night in the loss against Orlando. He's averaging 14 and 6.8 this season in terms of um, in terms of points and rebounds. But Bagley... You know, his injury couldn't have come at a worse time, obviously. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Has he slowly already in just his second season become almost the most one of the most important players on the team? I think so. I mean, obviously, it's tough to analyze him right now in his sophomore year because he's only played 10 games this season due to all the injuries he's had. But I don't know whether just him, you know, being rusty or just trying to slowly, you know, adapt his way back into the game. But he's definitely taken a dip compared to his rookie year where it seemed like every game in his rookie year he was getting better. Um, there's definitely been some some flaws in his game in his sophomore year where it's like you definitely see the potential and there's still optimism that he'll be great, but he has a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, people are always going to look at him and be like, well, you passed on this guy. You passed on Luka Doncic and took this guy. Which, right. I mean, he's still a good player. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. uh, injuries have, have really been a problem for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I'm looking here right now. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovich is out until the 18th. Uh, Nemanja Bialicia, he's been a game-time decision. Rashawn Holmes is, is expected to be out until February 1st. Just seems like the injury bug has really kind of snapped up Sacramento this season quite a bit. Would you agree with that? Definitely. And Sacramento, even though there was high hopes for them to make um, the playoffs, um, it was relied on them being fairly healthy throughout the year. You know, they're not as good of a team as if they had injuries, they could, you know, endure them and still be a good team. Um, So, Definitely with all the injuries that have happened with, you know, like you said, Bielitsa, Bogdanovic, um, and, you know, Fox was injured for a while too. It's definitely put a toll on the Kings, and I think that has played an impact on the way they played this season. Yeah, and uh, De'Aaron Fox, though, has really proved to be just a fantastic player. Um, 19 mm-hmm. points per game to go, four rebounds, seven assists, a steal and a half per game, shooting pretty well from the field, 47%, 32% from three. How important is De'Aaron Fox to this team? Can we can we safely call this De'Aaron Fox's team in Sacramento? For sure, because when he's on the floor, especially on the offensive end, the offense runs so much better. It's a lot faster with the pace, with him increasing the pace, the ball movements you know, increases as well. And, you know, he's just, he's just, the, he's just the facilitator that the Kings need to rely on. So when he was out, um, so when he was injured, it would definitely played a toll on how the Kings performed offensively. And especially with a guy with Buddy Heel, he needs to be Aaron Fox as well 
because he needs someone that can, you know, play at the same tempo as him and, you know, can send him up for shots as well. So I think he def- he's definitely been that player that definitely misses Fox as well. Yeah, and Buddy Heald, uh, there's been a lot of um, tension between Buddy Heald and the Kings front office and coaching staff. And Buddy Heald seems to be a little bit unhappy, as are a few others um, in the Sacramento Kings. Like in, I'm looking at Dwayne Dedman, who's kind of vanished since that Minnesota game uh, back on December 26th. Um, got a lot of guys saying they won out. What's What seems to be the problem in Sacramento with so many unhappy players? I think it's just with the way they've been performing. I think they entered this year with the aspirations of making the playoffs and seeing them, you know, you know, underperforming and losing, you know, winnable games left and right. I think it definitely is a frustrating process right now. And in terms of Deadman um, requesting a trade and wanting out, I think that's just lack of playing time. He's been, he's gotten a lot of, healthy scratches throughout the season. And, you know, for a guy, even though he is, he's on a good contract uh, or a good contract for him. Um, he's a guy that wants to play. He wants to be on the court and help his team. And if he's not getting that with the Kings, he wants, he wants to do that somewhere else. Well, I mean, I'm looking at, at the roster and there's a lot of guys here, a lot of young, talented pieces, but one of the veteran pieces that I've seen is Harrison Barnes. And you want to talk about a guy that's kind of hot and cold every night. He can be one of the best players on the quarter. He can vanish. I'm looking at stats here. Uh, Against Phoenix, two points. I mean, really non-existent. Then against Milwaukee, though, 19. Uh, Then he comes back against Orlando, only five points. Harrison Barnes, um, what's going on with him? It's mainly what the struggles with shooting the three-pointer looks like. And just, you know, the Kings this season had the mindset of we're going to shoot over 35 threes a game. And that's forced Barnes to attempt a lot of threes as well. I think he's averaging around four three-pointers a game. And, you know, when he struggles with the deep ball, his offense – you know, isn't as effective as if it is when it's on. Um, In the beginning of the year, he had a great stretch where he was, you know, hitting three-pointers left and right. But, you know, as the season's gone on, he's been on a cold streak here and there, has been inconsistent. And I think that's, you know, I think it's due to how the Kings want to run things on offense. Yeah, um, really there seems to be a lot of just, a lot of players that are just kind of hot and cold. That really seems to be the the story of, of Sacramento this season. I mean, some nights they look like world beaters, and then other nights it's kind of a they're they're kind of letting a letdown. But um, does coaching have anything to do with maybe some of the struggles we're seeing? Luke Walton is a polarizing coach. Some people like him, some people don't. I didn't agree with uh, bringing him in and releasing uh, the last coach. I didn't agree with that at all. I thought that, uh, yes, with the improvements that he, that he should have stayed, but nevertheless mm-hmm. he did. And, uh, Luke Walton's got a huge coaching staff with him. Do you think Walton's the right guy for this team? You know, it's interesting because it's tough to say just because like we mentioned before, there's been a lot of injuries that the Kings have suffered. And I think that's played a part in how, 
well Luke knows the team and, you know, which guys fit together or who has chemistry with one another. And also the injuries have really affected, you know, how he places rotations throughout the game. There's a lot of lineups that the Kings have experienced that have been questionable, but at the same time, it's tough to really criticize that due to, you know, all the players that have been ruled out this season for the Kings so far. So I feel like until the Kings can become eventually fairly healthy, um, we need to give Luke Wall more games to really figure out whether he is the right guy for this team. Trevor Rees is another guy on this Kings roster. Um, he had big name appeal. He played well in Los Angeles, played well in Houston. Maybe not the greatest fit in Washington. Then he comes to Sacramento. Right. Um, not a lot to talk about with him. Six points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, an assist and a half. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen too many Kings games this year. It, has he been hurt? Is it lack of playing time? Like, what, What's the deal with Trevor Reza? Because we all know he's better than this. I think it's just, you know – more like how we talked about Barnes and just being inconsistent. And, you know, there's some games where he's, you know, plays like the ideal role player can be a three and D guy where, you know, he's playing great defense and can hit the three here and there. But then there's just times where he's, you know, ice cold and, you know, maybe not as active on defense as, you know, you would like him to be, you know, there's been a lot of games this year. I think one that pops up is in the beginning when the Kings won their first game against Utah. He played great that game, I think, um, where he was, you know, a defensive scout for us. But then there's a game like we played recently where I think he had like five threes wide or he had five three-point attempts wide open and he missed them all. So I think it's just, you know, he's been a product of how the Kings have been this season, which is inconsistent. Yeah, and uh, one guy, though, that has been consistent this year, Buddy Heald, 20 points per game, five boards, three assists, shooting the lights out, 37% from three, 41% from the floor. Buddy Heald uh, pretty much has got a free will to fire at will if he wants to. This guy has really improved since first coming into the league out of Oklahoma. Um, Best shooter the Kings have. Uh, He thinks, though, he is worth a lot of money going forward. Buddy Heald wants the um, the $90 million contract, I believe, was what we had heard recently uh, yeah. that Buddy Heald wants. He thinks he is uh, he's worth $106 million even, and oh. they agreed to that extension. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think Buddy Heald's worth that much money? That's really the, the question. Uh, do you think the Kings should pay him the money, that much money? Because a lot of people were doubting him. Do you think he's proven he's worth it? Oh, well, they – to start the season, they did actually sign that extension. It was around, like, four years. The lowest it could be is around, like, I think, like, $85 million highest. Yeah, it was like $86 million was, yeah. the, was the minimum. Yeah. But he could earn up to $106 million, Yeah, they, which I thought was, was interesting. Um, I just yeah. wonder, do you think he's worth it, and is he proving to be worth it? Um I think if he how he played last season is it makes it worth it where he was you know the ideal sharpshooter you know played you know the defense here and there, but offensively was just a juggernaut where he was just you know 
just the ideal standstill shooter who can work with a point guard like De'Aaron Fox, who is more of a guy that, you know, wants to drive inside and set up plays for his teammates. But this season has been hard for Buddy. He's got the numbers up, but efficiency has been on the decline where he's not shooting as high of a clip as he normally should. And I think that a big reason why is just because of the Fox injury where Buddy's had more responsibility to handle the ball and make plays for himself. And it's resulted in him, you know, just trying to create his own shot, which is not, which he's not best at and, you know, making decisions on the offensive end, which has resulted in him turning over the ball. So if he can go back to that role of being, you know, just kind of like a Clay Thompson role where he's not really looking to make, looking to be a playmaker, but rather just, you know, being a standstill shooter, finding his spots and, you know, hitting, you know, open threes. I think he would be worth the contract. But he's been on the decline since last year. But hopefully he'll rebound with Fox back in the lineup. Yeah. Um, his contract, the, the extension kicks in next year. Next year yeah. he will be making $24 million, and he'll be the highest-paid player on the team. Uh, the Kings right. have got Harrison Barnes, who's making $24 million this year. He'll be making 22 next year. Um, really, there could be a lot of con- a lot of room uh, for the Kings, especially you know, if they trade Dwayne Dedman, maybe take on an expiring deal. Uh, they've got Bogdanovich coming off the books next year, but the healed extension uh, ties up some of that money. And, of course, the um, Bagley contract, they're, they're probably going to want to extend him soon as well. But uh, there's there's some guys coming off the books, Yogi Ferrell, and that's a guy that haven't heard a lot about uh, this year. Yogi Ferrell, he was a solid player in Dallas, did really well in that system, comes to Sacramento and has really kind of just not been the guy that they thought they would get. What's going on with Yogi Ferrell and, and what's his struggles looking like in a Sacramento uniform? I think it's just, you know, just lack of opportunities. With the King signing Corey Joseph, what, this summer or last summer, it definitely reduced his role down to being the third-string point guard. And he did get his chances when Fox was injured, but at the same time, he's only averaging like 13 minutes per appearance. And I think that results in him being, you know, inconsistent with his play as well as a lot of the players on the team. Because, you know, when he just just has prevented him to get in the rhythm. Yeah, and another another thing we look at with Sacramento is – you got to remember they've got a new system in place now, uh, and that could mm-hmm. be part of the problem as well. Because with new coaching comes new systems, and and, mm-hmm. and how how different is this system that Luke Walton has implemented from the, the previous system? It's the, it's a different system, but there's definitely some similarities. Where I think the Kings still want to, because last year they ran very quick. They were you know one of the fastest teams in the league, and I still think they want to do that. I think they, the focus on shooting a lot of threes is definitely different than last year, where they definitely want, feel like they got the shooters that can, you know, become a team like the Houston Rockets, where, you know, there's a shooting threes left and right, right? But, um, but with all the injuries that have happened, it definitely has – force Luke Wong to, you know, change it up a little bit where, you know, with Fox out, he had to play a little bit more slower because Corey Joseph isn't a guy that wants to push the pace. And, you know, this well, the injuries, I feel like it's just 
made the King system, you know, inconsistent as well. And another player that maybe could be considered inconsistent, Harry Giles. Um, this is a guy that had a lot of hype behind him, but he's really yet to find his footing in the NBA. Do you, do you see a future on the Kings for Harry Giles? Um, it's tough to say because it all depends on his um, on which teams want him. Because right now the Kings have declined his option, which makes him a unrestricted free agent. And even if the Kings did want him back, they're limited to how much they can offer for him. So depending on how he plays this season, how much, you know, how much um, he attracts other teams will, I think, tell if the Kings have a chance to picking him up. But I feel like when it's all said and done, I feel like his this will be his last season on Sacramento. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they Sacramento's got a lot of they got a lot of talent, young talent on that team, and Giles has been kind of just you know you don't want to spend too much on a backup, and I, I believe that's what his role in Sacramento would be limited to uh, is mm-hmm. just a backup, and and that's just something. That, and he's got a lot of potential. Like I'm not taking anything away yeah. from the guy. I mean, he's almost seven foot tall, but. You're 6'11 in the league, and you're averaging five points and three boards. That's an that's an issue. And he's shown that he can play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's a good – he's got a very good – and for him to be as big as he is this season, he's got a 91% free throw percentage. Now, granted, yeah. his free throws are probably down, but still, I mean, this guy was a 20th overall pick in the first round. Got a lot of potential. So, we'll just have to wait and see yeah. where, he, where he goes, where he ends up. Those, I definitely um, think if he – Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say tall guys uh, get a lot of chances in the NBA. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, he definitely needs an opportunity, a better opportunity than what Sacramento has given them like this season. So he played 15 games, averaging just under 12 minutes per appearance. So it's maybe it's one of those instances where if a team that believes in him picks him up, gives him, you know, an opportunity to, you know, fully showcase his, his work, then I feel like he could do that. Yeah. And I'm looking at the um I'm looking at the stats for Nemanja Bialicia as well. And this is a guy who's averaging twelve points a game, six rebounds, uh very good three point shooter, forty three, almost forty four percent from three, averaging forty eight percent shooting from the floor. And this is a guy that can go off at any time when given the chance. I mean, he had 34 points against Orlando, but against Milwaukee, he had a double-double. He had 12 points, 13 rebounds, 19 against uh, Phoenix. This is a guy that a lot of people thought was going back overseas to play, and then the last minute swerves, ends up in Sacramento. So kind of a steal for the Kings, and he's, he's turned out to be a valuable piece. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely – been the ideal stretch for that Sacramento has wanted for a while. And especially with Bagley being injured so much this season, he's definitely filled in the starting power forward well, real well. As he, you know, it's a perfect compliment to Rashawn Holmes. He likes to play inside against the elites that can, you know, stretch the floor. So he showed last year that um, he could be very efficient and a good asset for the Kings, and he's just continuing to do that this season. Last thing, and I'll let you go. And I appreciate all the time you've given us here. Um, mm-hmm. What do the Kings need to do to 
get into that playoff mode to where they were last year? Do they need, like, what do you think needs to improve? Is it just a case of everyone getting healthy, or do you think maybe they need some improvement um, out on the court, maybe some things they need to change if they're going to make a run and try to grab that eight seed? Injuries definitely play a part in it, but but I think it's just being more focused in games and executing correctly because there's been a lot of games. Because even though the Kings are injured, that's really not you know a great excuse to use when when missing the playoffs. But um, yeah, I definitely think they need to execute a lot better offensively. They obviously need to hit their shots, but they need to be less sloppy with the ball. They average a lot of turnovers per game. And then defensively, just being more dialed in, um, you know, just being more aware on the court, making sure that you're hitting your defensive rotations, you know, on time and, you know, just being more aggressive. So I think it's just more them just execute, if they execute better and gain more chemistry on the court with one another, I think they can make a good run and really, you know, be in that playoff hunt down the season. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up with Deadman wanting out. There's the a chance that they could trade him to a, a more viable contender. Maybe they come back, get some draft picks, maybe a, a young player on a rookie deal, yeah. something like that, maybe some expiring contracts. I mean, mm-hmm. anything can happen. We're still a long way away from the end of the season. We're only about halfway through. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. down the stretch to see what moves are made, who makes them, and and where they decide to go to pick up guys, because I'm sure there's some guys on the Kings' radar. Do you right. know of any that the Kings are really looking at to look at signing or trading for? Not really, not really any targets that the Kings are looking for. Obviously, you, we heard names like Deadman, Bogdanovic, the Elisa being you know players that other teams are targeting from the Kings. But in terms of the Kings looking for players, nothing has really popped up yet that I've heard of. Okay. Well, Rafi, I thank you so much for jumping on here and talking a little hoops with us and talking about the Kings and letting us in on what's going on. Why don't you uh, let the less, let our listeners know, easy for me to say, uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you and learn about all things Sacramento. Yeah, so um, I have a Twitter account. It's at Rafi Nation, R-A-F-N-A-T-I-O-N, and I get my opinions and my analysis on the Kings you know, there, as well as, you know, articles that I will be writing on hoopshabit.com, which is H-O-O-P-H-A-B-I-T. All right. Well, thanks so much for jumping on here, and great to hear you're over at Hoops Habit now. They've got a great a great writer there, and it's good to have you on the show as always, and I hope to get back in touch with you real soon, and we'll talk some more. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. And that was my conversation with Rafi Wong from Hoops Habit. And man, oh man, the Sixers survive. The Sixers pick up the win tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they had to do a rally late, but they uh, they were able to pull off the win, Tim. Well, you know, dog has his day, Nate. Yeah, indeed. And uh, my dog, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, are down by three with 6.15 to go. Uh, Toronto Raptors got a nice lead on the Thunder. Looks like they'll cruise to a win. 
Um, so a lot of, still a lot of ball games to be played tonight. So we'll see what happens and got more headed, headed our way during the next week. I mean, 11 games on Saturday, 14 games on Monday. So a lot to happen here and the all-star break, uh, yeah, ain't far off. Uh, February 14th is the first night of the all-star break. So that should be fun. Uh, that'll be the the uh, celebrity games, and then the 15th will be the dunk contest, three-point shootout, and then Sunday is the actual all-star game itself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that should be fun coming up soon. They, they scheduled something on Valentine's Day? They did. Huh. Anger it, matter for those of us, they, it matters not to those of us with nothing in their lives. But anyway... <laughs> Or those of us who've been together for a long, long time and can get away with one night. <laughs> yeah, or that, yeah. I mean, either way, but, uh, you know, it's been a fun episode, and Tom and Rafi were great guests, and you and I had a lot to cover tonight. We really uh, hit it hard and hit it quick tonight. There was a lot of lot of good content, a lot of good stuff covered, and hope everyone enjoyed uh, the talk we had, and, you know, as, as always. You see it on the innuendo there, Nate. <laughs> well, you know, but uh, anyway. You know. Are you Bruce all of a sudden? I must be. I can't. But, <laughs> but I, I heard it uh, after this episode, we're going to sit back and uh, crack open. Uh, oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Bubbly. I, I, I heard rumor that yeah. the uh, Duke there the Devil were. Uh, in contact with uh, Dr. Evil, Nate. They need to be in contact with Odell Beckham, who was handing out wads of money after the national championship game. <laughs> yeah, did you hear the excuse for that? <laughs> what was it? I didn't hear the excuse. Oh, LSU officials thought it was fake money. Oh, God. <laughs> why, why would it Jeez. be fake money? Who gives out nice fake God. money? Yeah, like nice try, guys. Like maybe. <laughs> how about you don't let? How about you don't let Odell Beckham in your locker room? How about that? For real. Just uh, no, no business being there. None. Yeah. Well, let's look at, at something else, Tim. NFL weekend. Uh, the championship games are set. We've got Kansas City hosting the Tennessee Titans. And on the other side, San Francisco hosts Green Bay. Who's going to the Super Bowl? I will take Kansas City. And at the risk of uh, Armando Health and Tino Heat striking me dead from Southern California, I will take the Packers. I have the exact same picks as you. (laughs) So, you know what that means? Bet everything on the other two teams. However, that being (laughs) I will not rule out a San Francisco Niner appearance in the Super Bowl. I won't rule a Tennessee appearance out because they've been no, on fire. Yeah, but I just don't think anybody can stop Mr. Mahomes when he gets rolling, that it's just too much. Boy, and he did. 28 points in a quarter. How, how would it feel to be up 24 to nothing and then in the same quarter? I mean, not not later in the game. I'm talking about the same quarter. At the end of it, you're down twenty-eight to twenty-four. Like that's just got to be. I mean, did I read it correctly that they had seven possessions and seven touchdowns? 
Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Run out of run out of fireworks for the touchdown celebration. Mm, they did. It's <laughs> um, just weird. Remember, remember this: uh, Kansas City take the take the. They're given seven points. I take KC, and uh, I'm taking Green Bay with seven and a half. So that's uh, your betting tips for the weekend. I don't know. For some reason, I've got this. Uh, I've got this feeling about Green Bay, and I don't know what it is. I thought you were going to say I've got this like rash. No, if I did, I'd, I'd have salves and creams, but I don't. But <laughs> you know, huh. well, you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. Check us out at Wide Jump on Twitter. And follow Tim at Tileman68. And uh, head on over. Check out our sponsors, Law Offices of Stephen P. New, StripCampFun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. And make sure you follow us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also over on WideMenCan'tJump.com. A week from Sunday is the Royal Rumble, so uh, I'm going to have to update my Royal Rumble listing on WideMenCan'tJump.com, so I'll have that updated soon. And um, anything else, Tim, before we uh, jettison on out of here? Just one word of advice. Yes. Never travel down a road you don't like. Never will. And always make sure your spaces are well lit. Always. Always Always. lit. Even if it's with a big, orange, ugly coat or vest. (laughs) And that's it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Let's leave it at that. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. Well, you can check them out at stayclassymeets.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter, at WideJump, and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.